Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Ryan Baker Barnes is entitled, The Battle for Your Identity. We are excited about the upcoming Gates of Glory gathering from the 28th to the 30th of September with guest speakers Ken and Lewis Scott, Bill Prankard and Trevor Baker. Come and join us in Dudley. Register your place for free at revivalfires.org.uk. I'm going to teach today on identity. Everybody say identity. We had an incredible week last week at the School of Awakening. And Dylan Long, who was a a good friend of mine from uh, Zimbabwe days, isn't that crazy, Uh, came and and did a whole week with us. And um, one of the things that he said is that our identity is one of the main things that gets challenged when we go out and tell people about Jesus. So often we can, we can thanks guys, we can go and talk about Jesus and feel, um, feel rejected or feel like, oh, what if they don't want to listen to what I say? We have this thing called fear of man that comes in and gets in the way. And um, the one thing that the Lord really wants to mature us in, if we're going to be a people who continues to reach out, is this thing called identity. So... Um, the other thing is, I don't know if you've noticed, but the atmosphere has changed over Dudley in the last couple of weeks. It can, have you noticed it? Can you guys feel it? It's incredible. We go out in, into the high street and it's an entirely different uh, I- I- experience. Um, the other thing is happening is that more and more people are just coming into church. I mean, like on Thursday night, there were these three young kids. They were 14 and 15 years old. And they just came in off the streets. And he said, man, I've got a really bad knee. I've had arthritis in my knee. Uh, are you Christians? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? He says, yeah, okay, you can pray for me. They sat in the back there. They really just wanted to mess around a little bit. You know, like they were shouting out crazy things that people shout out. Um, and like pretending to manifest and all that kind of stuff. You know what? I can take that. I can take that. If it means that they're coming into the church, no one invited them, but their atmosphere is changing around the place. Um, And it was incredible to have them. One of his names was Noah. Uh, So if you want to pray for Noah, I believe his his knee's going to really, really get better. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about what's going on. So we are also running a theme at the moment about growing in the grace of the Lord. You know, do you remember when Trevor preached a couple of weeks ago about, um, let me introduce you to the new you. Do you remember that message? It's time for you to meet the new you. This is what I want to kind of really continue on in a, a message called the battle for identity. I want you to know that identity is one of the most important things that the Lord wants to establish in your life. So often in the world, it's about what we do that gives us identity. I'm, I'm the worst culprit for this. If I meet someone new, you get talking, the first thing you want to ask them is, hey, so, um, so what do you do? You know, I introduce myself. Hi, my name's Ryan. Maybe it's Simon. I've met a Simon. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Where you come from? Well, I come from, you know, London, here for a conference. So um, tell me, what is it that you do? The very, very next question that most of us want to ask is, what is it that you do? Because we want to find out more about the person. But it's, it's almost as if we expect and, and we have this culture, the world, the world thinks like this, that what we do defines us, Right? I am defined by the job that I do. I am defined by the career that I have chosen. I am defined by the the family I am in, the children that I have. I am defined by, here's one for all of us, 
the car that I drive. I am defined by the clothes that I wear. I am defined by the friends that I keep. What is it that you do? Yes, well, I work here and I drive this car and I have this job. I am defined by the wage that I receive. These are the things that the world would want to tell us is what defines us. And you know what? To a certain degree, they do. To quite a big degree, they do. But at the heart of it, none of that could ever define you fully, as fully as Jesus could define you. And identity is something, if we're going to grow up and mature in it, that we have to take to Jesus. Does this make sense? It's not about who you do or who you are. Jesus is the one who needs to define us. The re- reality is, in the Christian journey, this is, this is the journey that the Lord wants to take us on. If we want to be a church of, of mature Christians, a church that is pursuing our, de- our destiny, this is the journey. It needs to be identity first. Identity rooted and founded in Christ. From our identity, we get a sense of belonging. From a sense of belonging, we discover our purpose. From our purpose, we move into our destiny. And that's where we want to go. We want to be a church full of people of destiny who are doing everything that the Lord set us up on the earth to do. Don't you want to be like that? But here's what happens so often. We we think, oh great, I'm here I am, Lord. I'm a Christian. I've given my life to you. There's so much ahead of me. What do you want me to do with myself? And we skip all of these steps. Now there's, you can get somewhere, you can do somewhere by skipping these steps. But somewhere along the line, where something happens to you and your identity is questioned, you're going to fall and it's going to be hard. Like I was mentioning um, about talking to people in the streets. Um, let me give you a little story, actually. This, this really, really hit home to me when I moved from Africa to England when I was 18 years old. That was quite a long time ago now. I've almost lived half my life in England. Isn't that amazing? Can I get an amen for that? People, people talk to me sometimes and, um, you know, the question, you know, so what is it that you do? I say, yeah, well, I work for a church. Sometimes they then try and change the subject because um, sometimes people don't know what to say, you know, and they say, so where are you from? I can tell your accent's a bit different and I love asking them, well, where do you think I'm from, you know? And the amount of times that people say America, Australia, uh, New, New Zealand, I've had some crazy, crazy things. So my accent is really weird, but let me stay on tangent here. <laughs> When I moved from Africa, uh, I was an 18-year-old boy. I was really good at class. I wasn't very good on the sports field. I had discovered the guitar, and I loved writing songs. And I was writing songs. I had this massive dream that my destiny would be to, to do what I'm doing right now. I'm doing my destiny right now. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, this is why I came to England. <laughs> Praise God that um, he'd have a church. He would have me. But anyway, this is my destiny. And when I moved from Zimbabwe, I, I would write a song every couple of days. I would write poem. We had a band. We used to practice every Friday night. I, you know, life was like, I'm going where I want to go. You know, I'm achieving my destiny. And I moved to England, and I found it so tough. I'd been here on holiday many, many times, and I thought I knew what to expect, right? I was trying to find a job. I couldn't find a job. I was trying to... Um, I was having to navigate where I was living with family. I was having to navigate trying to find a good church. I was having to navigate what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And all of a sudden, all of this creativity stopped. It just dried up. 
And that made me even more concerned. I was thinking, Lord, how am I going to reach my destiny? I can't even write a song. I get my guitar out in my grandmother's house. I was living down in London. And I strum away and try to write a song. And I'm telling you, nothing was coming. You've heard of writer's block, right? Yeah, it was like that. Like just, there was just nothing going on. And it was month after month. Eventually, three months later, I, I got a job at Saltmine Trust down the road here in Dudley. Praise God for Dudley. I turned up. From on a train, right? I got off the train at Dudley Port Station and I saw the castle. And I'm like, this is England, right? What's going on? There's a really, really old castle on the hill. I had a guitar in one hand and a suitcase in the other. That's all I had. And, and I, I met a couple of people. And then a couple of months down the line, still no songs, guys. Creativity was zero. I'm thinking, Lord, do I need to rethink my destiny? What am I doing here? You know, at least in Zimbabwe there were songs. What did they say about? What did the Israelites say? What at least in Egypt they had garlic and meat. You know, <laughs> and then what happened was I came to revival fires and I started to do the school of ministry. It was a Bible school. It was called Equip at that time. And I remember talking to a young guy on the school whose name was Michael Graham. Some of you might remember him. And I told him this story. I said, Mike, dude. Because Mike was a dancer, right? So he was creative. So I thought I could share my story with him. I said, Mike, I'm just, I just can't write any songs. Like, it's just all dried up. I don't know what's going on. And Mike said, Ryan, it's easy. I the wisdom of the Lord came upon him. It was beautiful. He said, Ryan, that's because your creativity is tied up in your identity. And at the moment, you don't know who you are. So until you know who you are, you're not going to be able to flow into your destiny. I'm like, mate, I think you should be my teacher on the Bible school. <laughs> And, and that really was, was the start of a long journey of discovering what it is identity. So here's the first point. Identity really is so important in our lives. I know that we're a prophetic church and many of you have had prophetic words. Many of you have had dreams and have had a great idea of what you know the Lord's calling you to do. And it's very easy to run after that and, and we, we will get somewhere. But the Lord wants to work and found our identity so firmly in Him that that's going to take you much, much further. Amen. So identity is really, really important. Let, let, me, let me open the Bible and let me show you a couple of these things. So I want to read uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. I'll just read it out to you. It's very short. This is the scripture basis for this. This is Jesus at his baptism. Uh, let's read from verse 13. Uh, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I don't need... To I have need to be baptized by you, but why do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John said, Sure, let's, let's do it. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. And behold, a voice came out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased so jesus here's the picture he he's grown up with his mother and his father he's learned the way of carpentry he's learned that he is meant to be about his father's house he's understood that who he is from reading the scriptures he's turned 30 this is a shock in our culture he's turned 30 and hasn't done anything yet i mean i remember being 21 and thinking oh my goodness i haven't released a hit record yet what's going to happen with me I, i'm you know, I'm finished, you know. Our, our, our culture is like everything's got to start so much younger. Jesus turned 30 and he hasn't healed a single sick person yet. He hasn't preached the message. He hasn't gathered any disciples. He hasn't raised anyone from the dead. 
And here he is before any of his ministry happens. Something very important happens. And that is God confirms his identity. So I want to I draw this out for you. Um, identity. And I love, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that uh, Jesus is perfect theology. Don't you agree with that? If, if we can see this in the life of Jesus, let me tell you, it's important in our lives too. Is that right? So before Jesus did anything, he goes to be baptized. And when he's baptized... He comes out of the water and God says, this is my son. What is God saying to Jesus? You are my, that's right, you can shout it out. You are my, come on, you can shout it out. I've got a bit of a cold, so maybe I'm a bit blocked up. What did you say? You are my son. Thank you. So God, before Jesus does anything, God wants him to know that his identity is secure. He is so mature in his identity. And there's three things from this this real simple uh, scripture that are the thing that hold our identity, that put our identity in place. And it's exactly the same for us as it was in Jesus. And if you imagine this is a stool, a three-legged stool, it needs three legs to stand on, okay? And this is the three things. This is my son whom I love, my beloved son. So the first thing is there is affection. We build our identity around the places that give us affection. We build our identity around the places that feed us love. Where we receive love from is where we're going to build our identity. He also said, um, this is my son. God is giving him acceptance. He's accepting him in his identity. That's the next one. Acceptance. And the third one, whom I am well pleased. You know, if we're going to have a secure identity, we need to have these three things in place. And the third one is approval. They're all A's, which is really easy to remember. Isn't that cool? If we are going to have our identity in place, we need to know that we are approved, that we are, another word for that would be affirmed. We have the affirmation on who we are. We receive affection from that and we give affection to it. And also we know that we are accepted. This is what we can base all of our identity on. Now, let me, let me talk a little bit. We, we might get into, I hope so, we're going to get into a couple of real simple theological truths that I can try and put into this picture. But let's just have a look at this. So Jesus' identity was a son. I noticed on Facebook this week, a lot of you were putting out these little pictures. It was like your happy face in a, in a circle and it said, your name is a child of God. That's right, isn't it? When we became Christians, we became children of God. We received a new identity. But if our identity is new, Ryan, why is it that I, I need to keep working on, on these th- three things? You know, if, if we've got this identity and we are now a new creation, we are now fully a child of God, how is that we need to keep working on these things? Surely it's a done deal. Surely it's something that we can just live in for the rest of our lives. Yes, it is. But here's the truth. We got a really cool car last year, September. It's almost a year old. I can't believe how long it's gone. And we've loved this car. It's, it was brand new. We drove it off the dealer's court and we felt so great. It's a brand new car. The mileage was zero. I put the first bit of petrol in. You know that smell when you open the door? It was a brand new car. The identity was a brand new car. But here's what happened. We put our children in the back seat. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Matt, don't you? <laughs> You know, chip packets, car seats, uh, 
I mean, my, my wife let me drive it for a start. You know, all the things I leave around in the car. I put a couple of guitars in the boot, scratched it up a little bit, you know. We went on holiday. We did loads and loads of miles. There's a little story here which I won't talk about. It's another day, that one, isn't it, Beth? What happens on holiday when you're in your car? <laughs> yeah, driving all, like, nine hours in a car. You know, the, the wheels, where the rubber meets the road, the wheels start to wear down, don't they? This car was brand new, but you know what? Every couple of weeks or so, if I didn't stop and put petrol in it, what would happen? It would stop working. I could think this car is brand new, and I could drive it around all the places, and it would break down, and I've got the number on the windowsill of who to call because it's all included in the dealership. I could call the dealership, say, yeah, hey, Renault, there's something wrong with the car. It stopped working. And they can say, okay, let's run through a couple of things here. First and foremost, have you put petrol in the car this week? What? Petrol? It's a brand new car. Why do I need to put petrol in the car? You know, that's a really obvious example, isn't it? But that's what it is with our identity. When we became a Christian, God said, you are now a new creation. You are a child of God. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we can live for a week in that beautiful, beautiful revelation. But at some point, we live in a family and none of us are perfect. Someone's going to say something to you and you're going to think, oh, Really? Is that, is that who I am? Am I who you said I am or am I who God said you, I am? And you can go to work and you can tell them about Jesus and they can say, oh man, you know, are you one of those people? You need a crutch or whatever. Jesus is just a thing. And you can think, oh man, who, who am I? Because here's the truth. There is a battle for your identity that is going on all the time. We are in a battle. So I'm going to put the word, there's a battle for your identity. You, you can see this so much all over the internet. I mean, social media, isn't it great? Isn't it terrible at the same time? There is a battle for our identity. Let me show you. This is what the Lord wants to give you. God wants you to come to him and to receive approval. Aaron, you are a child of God. God loves you. He loves the way you were made. He loves the way you play. Yeah, come on, he's getting all shy. You see what happens? He loves your guitar tone, man. I mean, he loves what you're doing with your life. He approves you, right? But here's what the enemy would want to do, because we're in a battle. What, what, does, what would the enemy come? Instead of approval, the enemy would come and try and make us compare. The enemy would come and throw comparisons in us. Really, God, am I that good? But when I stop and look at Ryan's guitar playing, yeah, actually, I'm much better than Ryan. <laughs> You know, really, God, you say that I'm, I'm really good looking. But when I stop and look at David Beckham on my Instagram feed, I mean, I just can't afford the shoes and the watches and the clothes he wears. This is crazy, right? But you guys are tracking with me, aren't you? God wants your identity to be rooted and grounded in him. But the enemy takes us into a battlefield. And that battlefield is instead of offering approval from the Lord, receiving approval from the Lord, he wants to bring us into comparison. What happens after comparisons? Judgments. We then start to make judgments. Well, maybe God's wrong. Maybe God got it wrong. Maybe I'm not that good. Or, or why is it that they are better than me? Why is it that they've got access to that and I don't? What's wrong with me? All this stuff goes on. And we don't really realize because we just think it's, it's judgment, it's comparison. But what the enemy is doing is he's trying to take this leg out. He's trying to knock your identity. Because if he can can stunt you in the growth of your identity, he knows that he can stop you receive, achieving your destiny. This is how important it is. Remember, before Jesus did anything, he had to know this from God. I mean, you read the Gospels. Jesus received a lot of, hard, um, a lot of hardship doing the things he did. 
You know who he received the most hardship was? People in, I'll use the word the church, people in his own religion. He had to know exactly who he was. This is making sense, right? Okay. So, and what about then, um, preach! What about acceptance? God wants you to know that you are accepted. This is, this is incredible. God wants you to know you are accepted just the way you are. Just the way I am, Ryan? Yes, just the way you are. Does that mean that he wants you to stay the way you are? No. How then can God accept me the way I am if he doesn't want me to stay the way I am? He is the only one in the whole universe who can accept you the way you are because he is the only one in the whole universe who has the power to give you to make you change to who he wants you to be. The world would want you to be accepted by the way you look, the way you dress, the way you sound. And then it would say, yeah, cool, you're in my gang. Do you want to be in my gang, my gang? Yes, I want to be in your gang. You know, I've worked really hard on this hairstyle. It's called the worship leader's quiff. No, this is funny, but it's true. I've, um, <laughs> this is true. I go to conferences. I go to conferences. I'm not on the band. I'm just a delegate. And the guys with the, um, you know, the lanyards, they say, oh, are you on the worship team? Come this way. Is it this way to the green room? I'm like, yeah, baby, okay. <laughs> you know, I'll go to the green room. You know, this quiff gets me places, you know. <laughs> Why is it? It's because... I look like a worship leader. I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. This is the Christian circle, guys, but there's still hoops that we jump through to gain acceptance. Did you know that? You know, and I, here's the thing. I can feel like I fit in as a worship leader, right? What if I was to go up into that green room? I would go up and sit down and then realize, man, I shouldn't be here. And the person who really knows who the worship leader would come over to me and say, so what are you doing here, dude? You need to get out. You know, acceptance can get us into certain circles in our mind. It can get us a certain little bit of identity. But it's not going to be our full identity unless we realize that we are accepted by Jesus. We are accepted the way we are because he alone has the power to change us. So what's the battle for acceptance? This one is is a big one. It's called rejection. Did you feel the silence fall? Rejection. How many of us have suffered with rejection at different times in our lives? We feel like people have rejected us. You know, and instead of realizing this is a battle that the enemy is facing me with because he wants to challenge my identity and I'm not going to take any of this rejection. I know I'm accepted by God and I need to just let it fall off me like water off a duck's back. No, we don't. We just think, no, oh man, they're rejecting me. Oh my goodness, what's wrong with those people? What's wrong with them? They don't accept me the way I am. I'm going to go somewhere else. And we live in rejection, not realizing that it's the enemy who's clapping his hands and rubbing them together because he's keeping you out of your identity. What if that doesn't happen? What if we think that we get rejected and then we look at ourselves and we think, oh man, my worship leader's quiff isn't looking that good today. I can't go to that conference. That's called self-rejection. We reject ourselves before other people because we feel that we are rejected. Self-rejection is a real, real bad one. Honestly, it's one I I had to deal with on the Bible school. (laughs) We don't have time to go into all that story. This is making sense, isn't it? Cool. Self-rejection. Where's my notes? Um, What about affections? What is the battle that the Lord gives for our affections? You know, if if I could, if I could, let me just go back. Acceptance is about belonging. Where do you belong? Where do you find that that sense of fitting in? Um, Approval is really about opinions. 
What do you think other people think about you? Which also leads to the fear of man. That, that's in a big one there, right there. The fear of man. And the affection really is our worship and our love for God and receiving the love that God has for us. Affection is one of the things, it's one of the reasons why when the Lord set us up as a human race, Pardon me. He put, he put us in families because we're meant to receive that love, that acceptance, that idea of belonging from our families. I was fortunate enough that despite me not being good at sports and all the rest, I was loved and I knew what it is to be loved. Some of us will go to so many different places to try and feel love. I can think about even friends of mine in school who, who would look one way, dress one way, be solid um, even in church, be solid with God, and a girl at school would like have affections for them. Maybe send them a little note, you know, pass them through through the the, the, um, the desks at school. This note is for three desks up and one desk left. There was always one guy in the class who got it wrong and opened it and thought it was for him. But anyway, <laughs> three desks up, and that person would be going one direction with the Lord in my youth group and having some affections met by a girl. His life would totally realign somewhere totally different. You wouldn't see him at youth club. He'd be dressing differently. He'd be using different kind of slang. You're like, dude, what's going on? Well, this girl likes me. You know, she's filling, what he's not saying is that she's filling my affections. And I'm going to realign my identity around that because it's feeding me. Does that make sense? Where, is it, where are the places that we run to to receive affections? Because they will define your identity. Things like, uh, like, um, like lusts. This is also where things like jealousies come in. Where is it the place that we, we're letting our affections lead us? Because the only place we really need to be led to is to God. Isn't that awesome? Um, I'm just looking at the time. I, I think, I think, oh, thank you, amen. Keep going, keep going. Um, what have we talked about? Let me, um, let you want to do a little case study, yeah? Do you like a case study? Okay, so, there are two kings in the Bible, King David and King Saul. King Saul was the very first king that God installed for his people. King David was the guy who followed them. Their identity was king. Okay, let me write that there. Their identity was to be a king. Let's look at how these three things worked out in their lives. Think about King Saul. The Bible says that he was one of the most handsomest men in his tribe of Benjamin. And he stood head and shoulders taller than the rest. Yet... When Samuel came to him, God told Samuel the prophet that this man is to be king. When Samuel came to him and anointed him as king, where was he? He was hiding in the baggage, the Bible tells us. Imagine missing your own coronation. I mean, that's pretty terrible, isn't it? Yeah. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Where is, where is Aaron on his birthday? I'm picking on you, bro. I don't know why. Where is Aaron on his birthday? He's hiding in his bedroom, you know. He, What's going on there? This guy is the king. And he is living in what? Self-rejection. God wanted to build up his identity as a king. And right at the onset, he has got to work through his acceptance issues. You know what? He gets there eventually. And I, I want to tell you this as well about him. Because so often we can read about King Saul and we can think, Oh man, he, was, he just did a bad job. You know, He was just kind of holding the fort until King David came. Because King David was the best. You know, He's one of my favorite guys in the Bible. Other than you, Jesus. King David. But here's the thing. God chose Saul. God chose Saul. And if we have that mindset, we think that God chose wrong. But here's the truth. We think that about ourselves sometimes. 
God chose Saul. God didn't choose wrong. God saw the identity that Saul needed. God knew the destiny that he was giving him. But Saul just kind of lost some of these battles, unfortunately. God chose you. God hasn't chosen wrong. You can think, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm struggling with these things. I don't know who I am. Just go and choose someone else. No, God hasn't chose wrong. Don't ever doubt yourself. Just like Saul, God chose right. The test now is for us to walk through. Let's look at David's coronation, okay? King David. Here he is. He has, I don't know, seven or eight brothers, tall, handsome men in the army. The, the prophet comes and says to, his, to David's dad, get your family together. Prepare me a meal. I'm coming to find someone special. What does the dad do? He tells all seven sons, gets them dressed, he anoints them with oil, he makes a nice meal for Samuel the prophet. Uh, David, he leaves him off the guest list. David is left in the field with the sheep. That sounds like rejection to me, doesn't it? My goodness me. Dad, I wasn't even invited to my own coronation. You know, I didn't even have the chance to opt out. I wasn't even invited. David experienced rejection from his family in an incredible way. Yet, how was his identity of acceptance? It was totally different. Absolutely different. Why is that? Because he knew who he was. As a young boy, he knew he was called to be a shepherd. The Bible says that when... Sorry about my writing. You can hear my my mic at least. The Bible says that when the bears came to attack the sheep... David knew how to handle a slingshot. When the lions came, David ripped them out and he kept his flock safe. He knew who he was called to be. His identity was secure. He was accepted by God. And in those, we know, we're talking about the church family fun day, gathering around the fire on the hay bales, worshiping is going to be beautiful. David did that. He knew who he was. It didn't matter what his family said about him, how his family rejected him. He knew who he was in God. His identity was secure. He could be one of the best kings that Israel had ever seen. What about, what about approval? Saul, Saul did good, actually. He did really well in a couple of battles. He fought the Philistines. He defeated them. He did good. He won. But then a battle came when Samuel said to him, this is what the Lord says, you're going to go into battle against this people and I want you to utterly destroy everything. I don't, want to, I don't want anything from that people. I don't want you to keep the sheep alive. I don't want you to keep the cows alive. I don't want you to let anything live. You need to absolutely destroy everything. Saul says, I got it, destroy everything, no problem. He goes into battle, he wins the battle. But what happens? As he's going to kill the sheep, the army say to him, Saul, did God really say to kill all these sheep? I mean, This one doesn't have any ticks. This one doesn't have any sickness. You know what? I could really enjoy a a roast lamb in a couple weeks' time. Why don't we just keep some of these sheep? You know, why don't we just keep some of these cows? And what happens? Saul's fear of man, approval, the opinion of others. He He stops and he thinks, I actually care more about what the people think of me than what God thinks of me. That's a big jump, isn't it? But that's what happens when we live in the fear of man. Our identity is not based and grounded in him. And he doesn't do what the prophet says. The prophet comes to him. I love it in the Bible. It says, Samuel turns up. What is this bleating of sheep I can hear in my ear? I mean, it sounds like a line from Lord of the Rings or something, doesn't it? It's great. Samuel turns up and says, what have you done? You have valued the opinion of man over the opinions of God. And as a result now, the Lord is going to take the kingdom from you. What's the kingdom? The kingdom is his destiny. His destiny is stripped from him because his identity was not secure in God. 
Can you see how important it is? What about David? Oh, David, what a man. David's um, gone off to battle, and while he's off a battle, a raiding troop comes in and kills his livestock, steals his wife, steals his family, steals their possessions, and run off. David comes back to the camp to find it pillaged. And the men say to David, we're going to kill you. How could you let this happen to us? His own men turn their back on him and say, we're going to kill you. And the Bible says, I can give you all the references for this later if you want the scriptures. David strengthened himself in the Lord. David worried less about the approval of man and more about what God said about him. His identity as a king, a king shepherd, was so secure. What did he do? The Bible says he went and pursued them and he overtook them and he recovered all. I love that story. His identity was so secure, in fact, that as he was chasing them, some of the men said, guys, I'm tired. I can't make it. David said, no problem. You stay here. We'll go ahead. He won it all back. And when he got to those men, he said, listen, we're going to share the, all this thing equally. He took all their plunder. His identity was so secure. Isn't that incredible? Is it making sense, yeah? Yeah, yeah, cool. The final one, affection. Saul became a good king at one point in his life. And that was after he was coronated when he finally stood up and was found. Samuel prophesied to him that he was going to go and meet a group of prophets. And the Bible said that as Samuel met the group of prophets, sorry, Saul met the group of prophets, his heart was changed. There comes a point where his affections were set upon God, where he received that connection, that, that idea of identity, that sense that he actually could do something with his life. And that was the point where he did really good. David had his affection set on God because he was one of the most incredible worshippers. But what about the one time that David did slip? Here he is. He's now a much older king. The Bible says it was in the season where kings go to war. David's not off at war. He's on the roof and he's got his binoculars and he's spying out a really good looking young lady taking a bath on the other rooftop. And his affections in his heart are stirred. And instead of being in a season where he was called to be a king, he let the affections get fed by his desires for this young lady. And that, and that really resulted in, in a fall for him. God restored everything and David you know, restored everything. But it's so easy and such a small little thing, these, these three little legs that we, step, that we stand on. Our acceptance, our affection and our approval really define our identity. And we want to be a people who are so secure in our identity, don't we? You know, imagine, I think like this, imagine what a good dad I would be when I can um, not worry too much about what my wife or my family, my friends, even my children think about me in my parenting decisions. I'm not saying I'm making wrong decisions, but what the Lord has called me to do. Imagine how secure I would be. I could bring them into the destiny of being a strong family. Wouldn't that be amazing? This is what God's called us to do. Okay, so how do you grow in your identity? How do you build your identity? Here's the first way. The revelation of Jesus reveals your identity. More revelation of Jesus reveals our identity. We think, Lord, I need to know more of who I am. Who am I meant to be? That will give me identity. No, Jesus says you need to see him more. The more you see Jesus, the more you receive your own identity. Where are you getting that from, Ryan? Let me give you some scripture reference. Okay, Matthew 16 verse 13. I'll just tell you the story. There's a, there's a disciple, his name is Simon. We all know him as Peter. His name was called Simon until God changes to Peter. And Jesus is walking with him and he says, Simon, who do you say I am? 
And I think the conversation goes, well, some people say that you're a prophet. Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say that you're, you're a worker of miracles. And Jesus says, I don't want to know what other people say about me. Jesus doesn't care about this. He says to Simon, who do you say I am? And Simon said, you are the son of the living God. You have the words of eternal life. I love it. And as soon as that happens, as soon as Simon gets a revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus turns to him and says, that's correct. And now you will be called Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Can you see what happens? He gets an identity change. Well, actually, he was always going to be that person, but he didn't realize it. He gets an identity revelation of who he is. He's not Simon anymore. His name is Peter. He's going to build the church. God is prophesying Jesus, Yahweh, the Trinity and Jesus is prophesying into Simon's destiny and he's changing his destiny. And how does he change his destiny? By giving him a new identity. You are now called Peter. Isn't that incredible? If we want to know our identity, we don't need to go searching in books. We don't need to go scrolling through Instagram to find the new style. We need to go to Jesus. That's where you need to go. I really believe it that even some of you here today, that you, you might not have met Jesus and you know you might have heard who he is but you've never figured out in your life Jesus wants to give you your identity back you know he wants to come and take you out of some of your your desires and your searches for these three things the Bible actually calls this sin when we live in rejection the Bible actually calls it sin when we live in lust or when we live in judgment or fear of man or comparison but that's it's a really big word all it means is that we've missed the mark We've missed the mark where Jesus is taking us. And Jesus wants to give you your identity back. Come on, I want my identity back. I'm not going to stop there. There's another story of a name change that brought about identity, that brought about destiny. We've looked at the New Testament. There's a guy in the Old Testament. His name was Abram. Ryan, you're talking about Abraham. No, not yet. I'm talking about Abram. Have you heard about Abram? So Abraham was a dude that God took out and said, look up at the stars. And he looked up at the stars and God gave him a picture of his destiny. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Wow, I want that kind of a destiny, don't you? Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of nations. Oh, Lord, do it. I want that. Abraham figures out, man, I'm really old. (laughs) And my wife is really old and we haven't had any children yet. I'll make a plan. I'm going to go and have a child with my, with my wife's um, slave. And he has, he has a child called Ishmael through Haggai. Go, and Jesus, God says, no, that's not the plan for you. I've called you into something impossible. I can see what I need to do here. If you're going to achieve your destiny, I need to reveal, reveal myself to him. And this story is in. We're not going to read it, but I'll give you the note. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Genesis chapter 17. Sorry. Genesis 17. And it says this. God appeared to Abraham. And he says, I am God Almighty, is what our Bible is translated. But what he really says is, I am El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. God gives Abram a revelation of who he is. I mean, maybe another week we'll we'll look at some of the identity of God. Did you know that God has an identity? Our our English translations don't do us any favors because they translate so many of these incredible identities of the Lord as, as just Lord or God. And we go around talking about our Lord, our God, in the same word that every other religion uses for their God. But our God has a name. His name is Yahweh. Our God has a name. His name is El Shaddai. 
Our God has a name. His name is Jehovah Jireh. Our God has a name. His name is Jehovah Rapha. There's so much richness in the names of God because God is revealing his identity to us. Because when we realize who our God is, we realize who we are. But we're not going to get down that just yet. Okay, we're just going to look at this one. God comes to Abraham and he says, I am Al Shaddai. Get this revelation of who I am. What does it mean? El means God. Shaddai is an incredible word. It means I am your multiple source. I am your nourishment. I am your sustenance. It means I satisfy you. Let me get some more because it is incredible. It means I am your sustainer. I am your supply. It means I pour out. I am the one who pours out. I am your provider. So what is he saying? He's saying, Abraham, you've, Abraham, sorry, you've tried to provide for yourself. You've tried to make your destiny happen. It's not going to work like that. You need to see who I am first. You need to get a revelation of who I am. And now that you see me as Al Shaddai, the one who nourishes you, the one who sustains you, the one who supplies for you, I'm going to now give you a similar identity and I'm going to add an H to your name. You're not Abraham anymore. You are Abraham. And he changes his name. And what happens with a new identity? Abraham walks into his destiny. You can't make this stuff up. This is, and here's the thing. I've done a case study, right, of David, of um, Saul. We've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Peter. What about the case study of your life? Where are you on these different places? What is the Lord saying to your heart? What does he want to reveal to you of his identity? Because he wants to call you into an incredible destiny. And I, I mentioned that we would, we would touch on very quickly these three uh, theological things that hopefully will be really, really simple now we've talked about identity. Let me read to you Colossians 3. Just listen to this, okay. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Set your mind on your new identity. Now you also put away, put aside anger, put aside wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and you have put on the new self. Your identity is your new self. Every day you've got to put it on. You've got to say, Lord, I'm choosing to turn away from the battle that has been raging for my identity. And I'm choosing instead to lean on your acceptance, to lean on your affection, to lean on your approval. That is the new self. And here's the thing. This is in the Bible. Renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Renewal in which there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man. Christ is in all and, and is all. So that all who have been chosen of God are holy. So here, here's the thing. We have got a new self. So in the identity God wants to, you to put on your new self, your identity now is that you are chosen of God. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people chosen. God looked out across all the world and he chose you. He chose you. He chose every single one of you to come into this identity. Isn't that incredible? And the other one is in uh, Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let me just read that to you. This is about the new creation. 
God simply says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. Do you want to live in your new identity? Let me write that down as well. New creation. So th- these, are, these are words that people talk about, that we throw around. And sometimes it's very, th- it's very easy to think, oh, that's great. But what does that actually mean? How does that affect my life tomorrow morning when I wake up? That, my friends, is your new identity. And every time you face the battle that's raging around you for your identity, you can go back and say, Lord, only you can sustain me. You see, you see th- these three things, they're meant to be hunger because they're meant to lead us towards God, our Al Shaddai. I believe the Lord wants to reveal himself to you today as Al Shaddai. He wants to be your provider. He wants to be your sustainer. He wants to be your supply in everything. And um, I love what Augustine said. Our hearts find no rest until they find rest in him. You know, this, this hunger that, that we have, that the world has, and this is what we can have to take to the world, guys, is that we've got their true identity. People are going through rejection. We know who they are. We can introduce them to Jesus, the only person who can really, really give them their identity back. Isn't that amazing? Why don't we all stand up to this morning? Here's what I want us to do. Why don't we just, um, every eye, just, just close your eyes, bow your heads towards Jesus. And I want to pray for you, but I also want to give an invitation. Lord, I know that um, even for my life, sometimes it's been so easy to base my identity on what the people say about me. But what you're calling me to, Lord, is to base it so firmly in you, Jesus. No matter where I go, Lord, only you can fill that hole in my soul. Only you know who I truly am, Lord Jesus. And, and I really believe that there's, there's some of us, even this morning, that you've been struggling with that. The only way you can describe it to me is, Ryan, I've tried so many different things. I've tried people. I've tried to follow the affections, the, the pursuit of people's affections. I've tried to stand out to look good. I've tried to make other people feed me in my affirmation but I'm still empty the only way I can describe it is there is a hole in my heart there's a hole in my soul a hunger that I just can't get filled but I want you to know that today there is someone who is made to fill that hole there is someone who can satisfy every desire of your heart someone who can give you your true identity back and his name is Jesus and all you have to do to accept his identity is to say Lord I choose to believe in you And if you want to do that this morning, I just want to invite you to be real brave. Just simply raise your hand. If you feel you need to see that fresh identity, receive Jesus today, I just want you to raise your hand. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. That's right. That's what God's going to do for us today. Amen. Why don't we all just pray this real simple prayer out together. Should we do this, guys? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you. I realize that I have fallen short. But today, I bring my heart to you. I believe in you. Would you come and fill me? Come and satisfy me. I commit my life to you, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you for that prayer. I'm I'm praying again, Lord. I just want to thank you for person who's made that decision God come right now be their identity Lord come and 
create in them a new creation. Or put on the new self right now in Jesus' name. Oh, isn't that great? I love it.